Welcome back into another episode of George in the Jungle, presented by Bearcat Journal, along with Remington Tavern. Check out Remington Tavern at 8892 Glendale Milford Road, 45140, where you have your daily happy hour from 3 to 7 p.m., $5 Woodford Wednesdays. You can check them out on Instagram at Remy Tav Cincy. That's R-E-M-I-T-A-V Cincy with a Y. Or follow them on Facebook. And with that, George. Yes, how sir. Are you today? Doing good. We got a, a special guest, so I'm doing better. Um and, and You're in Florida. I yeah, I felt like I was in the jungle. I saw alligators today, cranes. <laughs> Uh, I saw a bald eagle flying over. That was cool. That's the first time I think in the wild I've seen a bald eagle like that. So yeah, I'm down in Florida. Got out to the golf course today. So so uh, life was grand today, and and it's even better tonight um, having coach with us to talk a little UC baseball before we get this season cranked up. Well, happy you were able to join us from Florida. Uh, we do have Coach Jordan Bischel with us the newest addition to the coaching staffs uh, here at Cincinnati, I, I do believe. I don't know that there's a, a head coach newer than you here. Um, but you are kind of along the same path as uh, Coach Satterfield, where you are joining up as you get to be part of the inaugural season in the Big 12. So welcome to Cincinnati. Appreciate it. Simple task, right? We're not, we're not only going to take on a new yeah. job, we're going to do it joining one of the two or three best baseball conferences in the Mer in America. Should be should be a walk in the park, right? No big deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you you've had some walks in the park though over the course of your career and seeing where you know, you you started out at Midland University, did well there. Uh did well at Division 2 Northwood for four seasons and five seasons at Central Michigan compiling a record of 177 and 80 and four MAC titles. And, you know, I know the MAC is more of a Midwest conference and all that, but you've had a lot of success coaching at Northern schools. And, and that's not always how it works out, is it? No, I mean, that, that's some, uh, I think our programs have taken a lot of pride in. I think there's quite a few programs in, in those colder climates that use it as a crutch or as an excuse. And, and it, I've just always kind of challenged our guys that it just can't matter. Uh, ultimately, I mentioned it to our guys. Obviously, the the early part of January here was pretty brutal this year, and and we, as we build some new facilities, we've got some challenges in that area. And I met with our guys the first day of school, and I I said, listen, I I tried talking to the NCAA, but if we lose our first five games because the weather stunk and we couldn't practice outside, that they're not going to forgive them. So they're going to count either way, and just got to prepare. But you know, ultimately there's ways to prepare in, in tough conditions. And I think the flip side of that coin is um, there's some pretty talented players in this part of the country. And, and if you can keep those guys close to home, they maybe play with a little chip on their shoulder with something to prove. And, and by the time you hit May and June up in Michigan, it's well into the forties. And, and so it's nice and warm out by then anyway. That's awesome. That is awesome. But what have you found here that, that you get to Cincinnati entering the big 12, um, what is the, the mindset of your players and what have you found that you already have on hand as, as you get your feet wet here? Yeah, it's been a really coachable group. They've been, a, they've been a lot of fun to be around. Obviously there's days that are better and worse than others in terms of pure performance on the field, but in terms of 
kind of seeing our vision and, and seeing what our philosophies are going to be and, and trying to embrace those things. They've been awesome. And it, it really, even in the classroom in the fall, we had a 3.41 or 4.2 team GPA, which was a, a program record. And obviously smart kids don't guarantee we win baseball games, but it, it shows they're doing the right things, right? They're going to class, they're turning things in, they're investing in that. That's something we challenge them with. And it, it's kind of been that way on the field too. When we've asked for something, they've, they've given it a pretty good shot. And so it's, it's been an easy team to coach in terms of their personalities and their attitudes. The challenge of getting better every day is obviously a lot of work and prepping for this conference is, isn't easy, but uh, the job itself has been a ton of fun because the kids have been great. What kind of challenges have you faced in the little quick time you've been here, I guess? Yeah. You know, I think for me, one of the bigger challenges um, was if you look at historically our coaching staff, I've had, virtually no turnover on our staffs over the last eight or nine years. Uh, Kyle Schrader, who's on our staff here, has been with me going all the way back to Midland at the NAI level. I uh, had a couple other assistant coaches that were really stable. And guys, Tom Winsky, one of our assistants, was my college coach. So I've known him for you know 25 years now. And we hired a couple of new staff members that were really highly regarded, but I didn't know previously. And so you know, taking over a new team, you obviously have to acclimate with a new roster, but also getting with those guys and just making sure we're all aligned and on the same page. It's a great staff, but it takes time to build that chemistry too. And I think we're feeling a lot more comfortable this semester, just having been around each other. And so it's just, it's a lot of change, right? And then you, you throw in jumping into a new league and, and how that plays out, whether it's the, the change in how we're traveling or the competition, it, it's, it's a lot of moving parts in a short period of time. And, and, if you look at our programs historically, we want to have success right away. We've won quite a few games early on, and, and I don't know if that happens this year, but but that's been the goal from the outset is it's not we want to take three or four years. It's one, we want to be competitive right away. So you have to acclimate and assimilate all those things pretty quickly. Obviously, getting into a power conference has got to be something that attracted you. Um, but take us through a little bit of that process of, of what else attracted you to Cincinnati and how all this came about that they could uh, get you down here from central Michigan where you have. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know, I was, I was pretty picky in, in what, our family was looking for only because we had a great thing going at CMU. Our family was happy there. I'm from Wisconsin, so relatively close to home. We were having a lot of success. We had great support. Um, but Cincinnati, obviously, like you mentioned, the conference affiliation is big. The Big 12 is a big factor. But uh, I also wasn't excited to sign up for something if I didn't think it could also be successful wherever they were affiliated. And I, I think you just see a lot of momentum, A, with the university, right? Enrollments through the roof. It's going up every year. And you sense that excitement on the campus. But you could see it within the department, too. There's some momentum there. There's there's a lot of positive things. You're seeing it with our basketball team right now. They're having a tremendous – I mean, I know their record is not off the charts in the Big 12, but every game it's tooth and nail with top 25 teams. Like, there's there's a lot of good things going, and I sense that when I talk to John and, and, and work through that. Um, I also loved how involved John was in the process. You could tell he wanted to get this right, and, and whether – whether I'm the perfect coach or not, it's not so much that, but he was invested. He spent a lot of time in this process. And I think in college baseball, 
you're going to find some places that the the athletic director is not all that invested. It's a football basketball mentality, but it really impressed me that John, you could tell this mattered to him. You could tell college baseball, the Big 12 affiliation, the athletics department as a whole, he doesn't he doesn't just want a good football program or a good basketball program. He wants a great department and and he also recognized that within the Big 12 um Baseball matters. It's a big deal. They've sent five different teams to the World Series the last five years, and you could tell that that it was important. So that was exciting. But even going back, I mentioned Coach Winsky was my college coach. He he grew up in the '70s. He was a huge fan of the Big Red Machine and the the Johnny Benches, and, and so he's mentioned to me for years. Man, Cincinnati's just a great baseball town, and so that alone just created some intrigue. But you start to piece all those things together. For me, the weather here is great. I, I know that that sounds funny to some people, but honestly, we we've been practicing outside for the last week. I, I never dreamed of doing that stuff in February, and so there there were a, a ton of different positive pieces. And when you all mixed them all together, it really became a no brainer. I know there were a lot of renovations done at the stadium here in this off season. Uh, to get Big 12 ready, much along the same line with the rest of the facilities on campus. Um, I know that the outfield wall was one of the big projects. Um, what other what other renovations can, yeah, you, we, can you expect to see? They, yeah, they had put in uh, an artificial turf surface. I, I want to say it was eight, nine, ten years ago, something like that. And we replaced that for the first time this um, this past summer. And so brand new turf out there, which obviously is a nice playing surface for our guys, but also looks sharp. Uh, the outfield wall used to be just kind of a chain link with a, with a windscreen and it was just replaced with uh, full on 12 foot padding and a change batter's eye. It, it really gives it a much more stadium like feel. We're starting to do some new graphics and flooring on the interior interior of it, which will obviously help with things like recruiting, but also recognizes some of the really successful big leaguers we've had in, in recent years. And so uh, just a lot of different pieces. And then, you know, what they're doing with that football facility will dramatically impact us in a year or so here when that gets done. Obviously, that's 100 yards of indoor turf we can practice, but a brand new nutrition center that'll serve all student athletes. That'll be huge for our guys. It's right across the sidewalk from our stadium. And, and so you're going to see that piece really impact us. It expands the weight room and, and strength and conditioning areas. So a, a lot of different pieces with some momentum going. Very cool. And don't forget, if you wanted to get any of those uh, tickets to see games, you can go to gobearcats.com forward slash tickets as the season is literally right around the corner. <laughs> and that's what I was going to get at. Um, February 16th, you're down here in Florida. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in Jacksonville in 10 days. Yeah. And, and and what do you expect when this season starts? Or do you know what to expect out of this? You know, I, I don't. Um, I know there'll be ups and downs early. I know there'll be things that I, I think we're prepared for that maybe we aren't. Um, I do think we we have an offensive team that's that's pretty ready to compete and be successful. We returned some key pieces that were good, but also added about five pieces in the transfer portal that are really proven high-level Division One players. Um, and so that piece, we're going to bring some depth and some experience that the other side on the pitching, and, and thank God nobody thinks you need good pitching to win baseball games, right? Nobody would ever say that. But that part, we're, we're young, we're inexperienced. And so that's going to be a little bit up and down and, and a learning curve. But I think we'll get a lot better as we go. But if there's a piece I'm saying, man, I'm not sure what to expect, it's going to be on the mound early. Now you have plenty of matchups against some 
especially early in the season, some some familiar faces. Uh, Xavier on the schedule, Northern Kentucky on the schedule, my alma mater, Wright State on the schedule. Um, you know, do, how important are some of those rivalry games to you, especially as you have these one-game sample sizes? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I spend a lot of time with our guys talking about just the value of making every game the same. I mean, if I make one game more important than another one, what does it say about a different one down the road? So I don't spend a lot of time on that, but I'm also smart enough to recognize that for a number of our guys that are from this area and they're playing against the Xavier or Wright State of Miami of Ohio, they're bound to have some pretty good relationships with a number of guys, whether it's travel ball, high school ball, whatever. And, and you see their name in the press and Xavier was a, a regional finalist last year and certainly that's a spot we want to be in in the not too distant future. And so I, I think for our guys, they probably ramp it up for me. Um, I can't spend too much time circling those games because when on the weekend, you've got an Oklahoma state or a TCU waiting for you, it's, they're all going to be challenging and difficult, but I do think it, it's pretty awesome that again, coming from CMU, there were very few division one schools in the state. And most of those that were, were in our league. And so the ability to play some of these, within the city or, or close by games well, you know, you don't have to get on a bus and ride three hours to play on a, on a Tuesday and, and you're playing a bunch of regional opponents. I, I think that that creates a pretty cool dynamic on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at the ballpark where there's, there's kind of that built-in rivalry of the geography. You mentioned bringing in some players in, in the transfer portal and with that and NIL, and we see such, I, I almost consider it chaos in basketball and football. Now what's it like in baseball? And how big of a piece is NIL in baseball right now? It, it is becoming chaos. It, it's borderline chaos. Um, there, are, there are programs that have seven figures in NIL money now. Um, obviously, it, it's not as widespread and as deep as you might find in football and basketball. But, but there, you know, if, if you want to be competitive at the very, very highest level, it's, a, it's pretty difficult to do it without some NIL funding. Now, there's probably different models to that and how it's built. I, I think, you know, the LSUs of the world probably have some resources to sign free agents, for lack of a better term. I, I think for us, our goal is more the retention piece. Um, you know, one of the funny things with college baseball is we have 11.7 scholarships for a 40-man roster. And so almost every one of our guys has pretty significant out-of-pocket expense. I mean, if we can cover your tuition and you're on your own for room board and those kind of things, we're doing pretty well for you. And obviously that's a lot different model than basketball and football where you have full scholarships. And so a piece where NIL is impactful to our guys is it can pay their tuition bill. It can keep them from taking out loans. It can put gas in their gas tank to get on and off campus. Like it's, it's a different it's a different approach i think than you would see in, in some of our other sports um and, and really can be more impactful on our kids but at, at those highest levels um you're starting to see a lot more than that you're starting to see some six-figure uh transfers and things like that our, our goal in the in the recruiting process is really to make that a supplementary piece to it's not really that free agency type model but it's out there i mean it, Coming from a mid-major school, there was always in the back of your head, who's who's going to track down player A or player B and make them very aware that they can make fifty or a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars if if they come to our school. Thankfully, we didn't have that happen. Um, but it, it, it's it's kind of the nature of the beast at this point. I, I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't pay to complain about it. There's certainly some benefits for for these guys. We want these guys to have great opportunities, but it 
it is challenging as a coach to know that there are programs that are turning over half the roster every single year. Now we will have a link for uh, the Diamond Club, which is a subsidiary of the Cincy Reigns NIL in the link on the YouTube page when we finish recording this episode. Uh, if you wanted to donate, we'll be able to, you'll be able to do that uh, just simply clicking the link. Uh, but it looks like there are two levels currently with the Cincy Reigns. Uh, for $2,500 a year, you get a game-worn jersey not framed, invite to exclusive tailgate, and access to three annual Zoom calls with the head coach, fall, preseason, and postseason, where you can do kind of what we're doing right now. Uh, or uh, the level two gets you 10,000 a year or for 10,000 a year, gets you level one p benefits plus an invite to two small group lunches with the head coach and access to season chalk talk to discuss upcoming opponents, scattering reports, etc. cetera. Uh, again, you can find that at cincyreigns.org as Cincy Reigns has been partnered up with pretty much all of the sports at this point, I believe. So, yeah, we just got that diamond club going and, and that's, that's going to be huge for us. If, if we really want to be competitive in this league, we're going to have to help our guys out. And again, what's cool to me is we're not really paying players. We're, we're trying to help them pay bills. And I think it's nice to know we're helping them. And again, we have 3.4 students. That that's great. We know we're, we're helping out guys that are doing their job in the classroom, but really what could be more enjoyable than spending time with me? So, so a, you're getting to help players, but you get to see my smiling face a little bit more. It really doesn't get any better than that, right? Yeah. Super humble. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As you build this roster, um, you've got some talent on hand. And uh, D1 Baseball gave some of your players glowing reviews. And we're going to get to that in a second. And, Aaron, you may have the list there in front of you. I've, yeah. I've, um, but I also wanted to ask you, uh, one of the guys on that list is coming with you from Central Michigan. Uh, tell me a little bit about this Christian Mitchell, the – in, mostly an infielder or does he he also pitches some or? yeah yeah so christian last year was a true freshman for us at at cmu and and pretty early on in the season he he became an everyday player um played third base for us every day but was a really good shortstop in high school and that's kind of where we had projected he'd be moving to and so he should play short for us basically every day uh, he's not the most talented pitcher in the world, but he's awfully competitive and and we were able to use him in some late game situations last year, pounds of strike zone. And so I, I think if everything goes the way we want it to on the mound, um, we won't use him a whole lot in that, that setup. He, he's an infielder by trade, but we know what we're going to get there with, with some pretty competitive baseball if, if we need that. But uh, Christian is, is a just, for a sophomore, incredibly seasoned and, and mature and has quickly become a team leader. We were fortunate enough to have four guys come with us from CMU. He's probably the most acclaimed one, but all four of those guys have been great teammates in terms of not, not pushing any of our views on to people, but just helping them understand what we're trying to do and, and provide some leadership and some guidance as the kind of the things we're teaching. And that's really helped with the transition, but Christian's a pretty special kid, a pretty special player. I, I expect him to, to really impact us this year, but then as he gets into his junior year, um, become really a difference maker for us. According to D1 Baseball, uh, they have him as the number 19 2025 MLB draft prospect. Um, some of the other ones from that same article from D1 Baseball, you had uh, junior first baseman Tommy O'Connor coming in at 33 for 2024, uh, and then Josh Cross, um, who comes in from Eastern Michigan is number 38 for 2024. What can you tell us about those two guys? Yeah, both those guys can hit. <laughs> they can flat out hit. That's uh, 
that's why I can tell you, Josh was actually in our league last year at, at Eastern Michigan and uh, obviously had a firsthand look at the production. He had just a tremendous season and, and he's only gotten better with us this fall. He, he is tough to pitch to in a tough out. And Tommy, um, Tommy has some of the, the biggest raw power that I've legitimately ever seen. I was fortunate to coach several years of collegiate summer baseball where I coach a bunch of guys to move on to the big leagues. And he's right there with these guys. Uh, Ryan Noda, Joey Weimer came by some this fall and you see the same type of body, the same type of the same type of power. Um, but he's been really good in terms of his hitting approach. And, and uh, those are two guys that obviously they've still got to go out and do it this spring, but um, they're fun to watch hit, not just because they're, they're talented hitters, but, but they've learned some, some real hitting approach. They've become really tough outs. I mean, those two guys will hit somewhere in the heart of the order and between the two of them could easily put 30, 35, 40 home runs on the board. Uh, two of the other names that come up for 2025 um, would include Griffin Hugus at number 28 and also Nathan Taylor, um, I believe a freshman pitcher. Um, yep. So what about what about those two guys? Yeah, Griff actually started a bunch on our infield last year. Played uh, played a fair amount of of the middle infield. Uh, was in the order quite a bit, and he's still in the mix to do some of that. But but his real upside is on the mound. He threw maybe twenty innings as a freshman last year, but he's starting to really come into his own. The fastball keeps climbing. He he found a little ninety five and ninety six the other day. Throw strikes. The slider's good. He, but he's got the two way guys that hit too. Sometimes just have a little bit a little bit more of that competitiveness to him nothing against those pitchers i was a pitcher so i can't say too much but um but he's got some of that just athlete compete on the mound he has tremendous upside on the mound and, and could be a big piece for us and nate taylor's a a big six four six five freshman who pounds a strike zone 91 to 93 maybe touch 94 but still young uh really sky's the limit type of guy he'll have some good opportunities early and and we'll have a chance to grow into a really big role as the year goes on yeah, Nate was 23 on that freshman list. Uh, Griffin was 28 on the 25 list, 2025 list. Um, one of the questions here in the chat, uh, while George is getting reacclimated here, and I think I'm back. <laughs> My wife called in the middle of this thing. <laughs> oh, the nerve. Well, um, can I tell you? I think she's half in the bag, but I'll find out. <laughs> I, I think this. Well, is she heard the comment about the Diamond Club. She was calling you to try to join, so she that made time talking that to me. That had to be what it was. She, she wanted FaceTime with Coach George. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to get her in the chat, and it's probably a good thing I did. <laughs> um, but El Chihuahua here asks, uh, Coach, how is your high school recruiting going? Are you concentrating on local talent or nationwide? Any recommendations to high school players on how to get seen by UC baseball? Yeah, first, how to get seen, and and this is a genuine answer. The best way to make sure we see you, we'll, we'll run at about four to five prospect camps throughout the year. You got to get to one of those things because the the travel ball circuit is all over the country with hundreds and then thousands of teams, and then you go to a game and and said player walks three times on 12 pitches and never gets a swing off. Like we go to a ton of baseball games, but it is hard to canvas everything. And so we really push guys. Like if you really think you can play at this level, you have to come to one of our camps because we're going to get three, four five hours with you in a, in a setting where we can truly evaluate you. That's, that's not the only way to recruit somebody, but it is the best way for us to get really true feedback. We probably signed 
five guys out of our camps from from this late summer, early fall already. That's a huge recruiting tool for us, probably more than other sports, because, again, baseball, we don't have the video. We don't have the ability to evaluate quite as easily as maybe a football or basketball. So that's that's that piece of it. Uh, the high school recruiting, we're really enjoying it. I think in terms of concentration, we want to stay in this region primarily uh we'll we'll consider anybody from anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world if it's if it's a good fit for them and a good fit for cincinnati but i'm a pretty big believer that our goal is, is a we want to build in, in this area you know this part of ohio has tremendous baseball uh if we kept every highly talented kid close to home we could build a really big chunk of that roster now not every kid's going to want to go to cincinnati obviously some want to go south some have other options but we need to really work to retain a number of kids from this area because there's plenty of baseball depth in the area. I tried really hard in Michigan to recruit in Ohio and it was difficult. Uh, not a lot of kids, believe it or not, want to play a spring sport six hours north uh, when they visit in March and there's still snow on the ground and those kind of things. But we recognize the opportunity down here. And, and so we're excited about that. I think we'll also recruit a lot of kind of those northern states, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, because they have a chance to get a little bit south, but still stay close to home. And to me, that's what's unique about how we're affiliated in the Big 12. And, and the Big 10 is obviously a tremendous conference, but baseball-wise, the Big 12 is superior. And that's not me puffing my chest out. It's just what the metrics would say. We're, we're typically going to be a 6-7, 8-bid league in the NCAA tournament. And so all of a sudden for kids in Ohio, Southern or Northern or or, or Michigan or Illinois, you have a chance to play in a really powerful league and play against some of the best teams in the country, but do it when your parents can take a two, three, four hour drive to campus or a half hour if it's in our own backyard. And that's that's a unique opportunity. Again, I talked earlier about playing a little bit with that chip on your shoulder. I, I think finding guys that want to prove, hey, these Northern guys can, can hang with a TCU or an Oklahoma State or whatever that may be. Um, that's what we want to do. Now, we also have a national brand at this point. We we had a, a kid fly to one of our camps this fall. He was from California. He saw his major on our website. He saw we were affiliated with the Big 12. He came in and was incredibly impressive on the mound, and we ended up signing um, or, or committing a, a California guy. I can't throw names out there. I'm going to get myself in trouble with compliance because he's not signed yet. But, again, we, there is a national presence. People will come see us from all over the country. So, so we're open to recruit nationally, but the focus is really going to be on Ohio and kind of then the Kentucky, Indiana uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, surrounding northern states. When you get someone that does that, like, I, and I don't want to get you in trouble here, but when someone from that far away takes notice of the program, um, does that surprise you maybe a little bit getting here? And and how satisfying is it to know? Yeah, it, it you know it really did. The first couple of camps, I would look at the roster and say, "What is this kid doing coming from California?" But then you see a couple come from Georgia, and somebody comes from Oklahoma, and somebody come, and some of that is through connections. We know a, a coach in a certain region who says, "Hey, this is a player that's getting overlooked." But again, this this was a student who we had a pretty unique major who. He saw it on the website and, and he, he was being recruited by some pretty good schools uh, out in Southern California, but but just saw it as a potential fit. But 100 percent, it's it's flattering and it's exciting. And what's cool about it is when these kids do get to campus, like I said, Cincinnati has a ton of momentum right now. It's an, when when our when we've had recruits visit campus, they walk away impressed, whether it's whether it's Nippert, whether it's the proximity of everything, whether it's the fact that we've got dorms that that overlook our field. It, it, it's a pretty exciting place to walk around when we get kids on campus. And so I think there's there is some opportunity there for sure to find some select kids. What else you got for Coach George? I know we're 
one other couple other things about, but um so when I, I'm going through your your record, your resume, all that, um coached in the Northwoods Summer Collegiate League. And there were some good players that came through that league. What was that experience like for you? And and what did you take from that? Because I got to think you were around a lot, a lot of talented ball players. Yeah, that was that was an awesome experience. You know, you play seventy two games in seventy seven days, and it and the league is still good. But I, I coached there from two thousand nine to two thousand twelve, and at that time, I think there were fourteen teams. Now I think there's a little over twenty. There's a few less guys playing summer baseball than there used to be, uh, so it's it's maybe watered down a little. It's still a premier summer league, but at that time. Uh, you were seeing a couple hundred guys out of that league drafted on an annual basis. And and for me, I had coached at the division three level. Um, I was, I was young then I was pushing 30 or just into my younger thirties. And it was an incredible experience to, it gave me some insight as to, you know, just how different guys from different programs operated. I could pick brains of guys. Hey, how, how does your pitching coach teach you this? Or, or how do you go about that? And um, so tremendous learning experience. It was a networking experience to get to know coaches from all over the country and learn about their programs. And some of those relationships, you know, I, we were at our national convention and I had a good chance to talk to Jay Johnson, who just won the national title at LSU. But our relationship started when I was coaching some of his players in that league. And and so you, you gave me a great chance. It was just a tremendous learning opportunity um, but it also opened my eyes to the fact that these guys are, were more talented than the, maybe than the Division three guys I was coaching. But baseball is still baseball, and you start to start to realize if you do things right, hey, you fit at this level. You you can be a part of of coaching at this level, and, and so I think it also instilled some confidence that if I, I continued to learn and do the right things, that uh, I could be a part of helping those guys develop, not just observing them and and learning from them, but hopefully they could start to learn from me. But Awesome experience. One summer we had uh, Philip Irvin, who was a first round draft pick, Mitch Hanniger, who was a first round draft pick, and Jacob May, who was a second round draft pick. They were our three starting outfielders. <laughs> he had three first or second. I mean, unbelievable um, to, to be around that level of talent on a daily basis. Yeah, I knew I knew that league was good back then. And and boy, having that on the same team is, is unbelievable. Yeah. 2010 team or 11 one of those years had 16 guys that went on to be drafted i mean that's that's over half your roster right it was pretty crazy yeah and and i would think given your your background and the schools you're at and being up there player development was just huge for you and uh you know you got to see some of it there but but probably more so at, at the universities you were at yeah 100 percent. i mean I've always prided myself on making sure you have to recruit at a high level, whether that's division three or, or, or the sec, if you don't have good players, obviously you're not going to be successful, but everywhere I've been, we, we kind of established enough success that we're trying to outkick our coverage. If that makes sense. When, when we're playing in the Mac, we were, we were trying to win games at, at NCAA regionals and, and we weren't going to have the depth of talent as, as a Florida or a Mississippi state or Miami. And, and, and we still played pretty well against those schools and, and you had to do that through player development and buy-in. And, and so um, certainly was, was some, we took great pride in it. And it's been awesome to see some guys that were pretty re lightly recruited out of high school end up getting drafted, playing professional baseball, having a shot at the big leagues. That that's really neat. And, and, it, and it's, it's really rewarding, but I think that's going to carry over here a lot. 
I think we can recruit some really high level talent. I think we can get some really good players, but I also think if I sat on this show and said, we're just going to line up with TCU and Texas tech and Texas and be just as talented when, when there's probably a little different talent pool down there, there's better weather. There's a little more development that goes on at young ages. There's piles of NIL money there. There's a lot of resources that we can't match, but if we can close that gap with our recruiting and then work our tail off with the development piece, there's a good chance our 21-year-olds can look just like their 21-year-olds after we spend a few years with them. Love that attitude. Yep. Get after it, Coach. Uh, the season does start February 16th, starting off at Jacksonville, and then the first home game will be against Northern Kentucky on February 20th. You can get tickets, again, at gobearcats.com forward slash tickets. $75 will get you a season ticket for an adult. $50 will get you season tickets for youth 4 through 12, military or seniors 65 and older, or of course you can get single game tickets for $5 general admission and $8 reserved seating. Uh, 28 games for 75 bucks. I mean, can you beat that? No, you can't. That's a great deal. And you're going to value. I mean, I'm looking the Big 12 had five teams last year with 40 or more wins. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the depth of the league is incredible. Again, five years in a row, there's been a World Series representative, but it's been five different teams, which to me is kind of mind blowing. I think it's Texas, yeah. Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma have all been there. I mean, it's one thing if you got one or two teams that are just plowing through, but but to have that kind of depth, it, it it's really exciting. I mean, there's going to be high high level baseball at our ballpark this spring. The media voted you at number fourteen going into the league here. Um, I believe D1 baseball had you as high as 11. Um, but what do you have to say in, in defense of this team as you're not given a, a much of a puncher's chance there at 14? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've, I've coached teams that, that were not picked real high and finished just fine. I, I'd much rather uh, look at the actual standings and have us higher than – but ultimately we really haven't talked about it much. Like – you can't control wins and losses in August, September, October, November, even, even right now, we're not playing games right now. We're practicing. We're trying to get better. We're competing with each other. And, and it's really, there's a process that we have to trust. We're going to lose some games this year, but I, th I, I think we can win an awful lot of them. And we've got some hungry kids. Like I, I get it every week when we line up, there's going to be a pretty talented team across in the other dugout, but, but I've also coached enough against these high-level teams. We opened at Baylor last year with a three-game series, uh, and, and we've played series at West Virginia and different places. I, I, I've seen enough of it to know there's enough talent in our locker room that we may not walk away with 40 wins. That's going to be a challenge, but there is no doubt that every weekend we can show up with a team that can come away with some wins. I, I really believe this group can can raise some eyebrows. The challenge is they're, the depth of, of talent in the league is so good. It's like you're seeing with our basketball team, even playing great, they're losing a fair number of games, but they're also winning their fair share too. And I think we can do a lot of those similar things. Well, I don't have anything else, George, unless you do. I got the dumbest question in the world in baseball that I probably shouldn't even put out there. Let, let it go. Well, okay. So, and I played a lot of baseball when I was younger and, and every team I was on had a baseball coach. But at the professional level, it's a baseball manager. I don't get it. Why, why is that? <laughs> and you can ask why they're also wearing the uniform, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I've never figured that out. I get it. You're managing the team and all. But I don't know why the rest of the baseball 
coaches aren't manning. Because for about 130 years, baseball was a bunch of traditionalists that wanted to have things their way, and, and it's just starting to change. So maybe you can you can enact that change that will be titled the same way as everybody else. <laughs> it doesn't bother me that much, but I always wondered about it. <laughs> I started thinking, you're a coach. You know, all my coaches were coaches. But you, you get to the professional level, they're managers. But it's funny because oh, if you oh. look on the website, I'm sure I'm listed as a head coach. But if, if you look right. down the road to the Reds, that's that's the manager. I'd, I'd <laughs> great. Maybe but, they don't coach at that level. They just kick over the balls and they manage. <laughs> I, I, you may be on the sum there, but 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 I think those managers would probably take offense or argue that point. Um, listen, coach, it's been great. I appreciate having you on and sticking around with us as long as you have and i wish you the best luck in the world and and uh it's exciting it's exciting to have you know you down here given your track record and uh hopefully we see some w's start racking up here uh in the next few seasons yeah anytime you want to come back on what's that anytime you want to come back on just let me know i appreciate it you guys you guys let me know i uh i'm always happy to do it i I, george aaron i really appreciate you having me on i think i think there's going to be some exciting stuff ahead and so we want to get the word out there to to get people out to the ballpark so so i'm always happy to spend some time with you guys fair enough awesome thank you very much coach coach thanks a bunch guys have a good night You you too All right, that was Coach Jordan Bischel. And again, you can get tickets uh, at www.gobearcats.com forward slash tickets. Those are great deals on tickets, by the way. I mean, that that's one of the best entertainment values in the city when you're looking at how many games you get out of that and what you put out there. And even if you can't make all the games, I mean, it just it helps the program. The more tickets, the more season tickets – uh, you know, it, it helps that program. And I'm telling you, this guy has won everywhere and won big. And, it, and what he did at Central Michigan was very impressive. Five seasons, four MAC titles. And, you know, the MAC's got some decent baseball in there. And he goes 177 and 80 during those five seasons. I mean, that that's phenomenal. Yeah, should be some exciting times, uh, whether it's this season or whether it's in the incoming couple seasons as he builds this team up um more or less from the ground i mean yeah but i love his attitude about doing absolutely absolutely so uh, i like that he's familiar with the conference as well yes yeah very much so and and you know it seems like he has what is a solid plan when it comes to recruiting and you know it's interesting those camps and stuff he was talking about just it, it seems like he has a good grasp on what what his task is ahead and, and how to tackle it. And we'll see if that results in wins because it is a tough ask going into this conference. This year is going to be very, very tough. Um, there's some, as he said over and over, very good baseball in that Big 12 top to bottom. Yeah, that was a great question, El Chihuahua. Uh, we, we appreciate that one. Yes, it um, was. And, uh, you know, I'm down here in Central Florida territory now in the Orlando area and uh, talking about the Big 12 and the impact, flying to the airport and on their – you know, their marquee signs and stuff with their partners with the airports and stuff is the Big 12 Conference. So, you know, it's all over down here, too, with with Central Florida being one of the four new teams in and then, you know, four more coming in next season. And as a former UC player and, and current NCAA coach told me over the weekend, it's 
becoming a very, very powerful conference now where, you know, what are we going to have 20 teams in that conference next year? Um, and, and, and it's a dogfight as, as, uh, he was talking about the basketball and it's like, you know, the Bearcats have played very, very good basketball and they're four and five in the conference. And, you know, the, the, I, I think if they played that way in the American last year, they might be like eight and one or seven and two if they had played that kind of ball. Yeah. I think there's four teams, if I'm not mistaken, ranked in the preseason top 25 for this conference. So, uh, I think you'll, you'll certainly see some some fights for sure. Yep. Uh, kind of switching gears here a little bit, uh, still in the same vein of baseball. Uh, there is some baseball news for the Reds and also the Bearcats as a hometown hero is coming back on a minor league deal as Josh Harrison is going to be joining the Cincinnati Reds. From my understanding, it's not the first time that the, the two have – flirted with a, a union of sorts, uh, but Josh Harrison officially on the Reds uh, roster as they get ready to go into spring training here in a couple weeks. Yeah, what a major league player he made himself into. Um, certainly always had the talent. And, and we should also add that the Reds uh, earlier made Josh's brother, uh, Vince, the manager of the Dayton Dragons. So, now we got two Harrisons, and Vince was with them, was with the organization before, but, you know, he's now going to be the manager of the Dragons. Uh, Josh is going to be going to training camp, uh, spring training with the Reds and trying to earn a spot on this team, and he can play all over. He can play anywhere, and I know everyone looks, and it's like, my God, they're so crowded at infield. Why do they get this guy? Well, he can play the corner outfield positions, um, he's experienced, does, you know, we'll see if he makes that final roster, but, um, with his experience and we'll see what he's got left in the tank, but if he does, he's going to be a nice addition for them to have a seasoned vet that's going to be able to come off that bench whenever and play wherever and take on whatever role, you know, he's played in a couple all-star games. Um, there, to me, there's no downside to this. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a risk-free contract unless you see, what happens, and you know how injuries are and everything else. Right. You can never have too many good ones. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But that's a it's nice. I mean, I, I hope he gets to put on a Reds uniform and play. I've, I've always wished that for him, uh, you know, going to Princeton High School and then going to UC. And, and uh, boy, he had some really, really good years there with the Pirates. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But yeah, low risk signing, and and maybe it'll be some reward for the Reds and for Josh. Now, uh, wanted to get that story done and out of the way before this little gem. I'm fairly certain I'm not being tricked by the internet here, but I did see that the Cincinnati Reds signed an 18 year old uh, from San Jose del Cabo, Mexico, and his name. Get this, George. His name is Ichiro Cano Hernandez. If that really? kid's not. If that kid's not born to play baseball, I don't know who is. Hey, no doubt about it. Uh, very interesting. And uh, obviously, the parents down there have, have some uh, some keen uh, baseball sense there going with those names. Yep. Uh, so I, I just thought that was a fun little gem to, to drop there. But um, outside of that, there is some Bearcats basketball to talk about as we are halfway through this conference play 
and I'm certain that you were able to take in the victory against Texas Tech, not in person, of course, but at least watching it as Cincinnati wins on the road 75-72 in Lubbock, led by Simos Lakosius and his 16 points. What a game. Yeah, it, it was. And, and you know, Simos did have the five turnovers, but he was so big down the stretch for him and hit two really big shots at three. And then that shot in the lane, um, just really, really, you know, and, and he's been asked to carry that load and, and, and do some things in crunch time. And, and he came through big time down there at Texas tech. And that, that was, that was a crazy game. I mean, that was such a fun game to watch and you just never, Never really felt either team was going to pull away. And, and you know, it was just back and forth. And I forget how many lead changes. It may have been as many as a dozen. Um, it was tie-dye. It was just really a fun, fun game to, to watch. And uh, Bandega was big with the with the 10 points, 10 rebounds. Um, you know, I thought Day-Day, you know, when you look at the overall shooting, uh, still struggling with the shot. and But he did convert on his drives more often than not. They weren't empty drives. He either got the bucket, made a pass, or I thought I thought he was much better driving the basketball and and, and finishing. Uh John Newman playing hurt basically and the job he did defensively in that game and just you know just gutted it out. And that's what you gotta have if you're gonna win these kind of games is is warriors like that. And he certainly was and and Skilling's played pretty well too. It wasn't Happening for him early on uh, in the game, but then he got settled in and and helped make a difference. So I I, and I also thought that some of the stuff they ran down the stretch was really really good. And you know, West takes a lot of grief for for some things that happened down the stretch and maybe not calling timeouts. Where I, I thought this, you know, and I, I'm not a huge critic of his in game calls uh, i know some are but i thought this was his best by far i thought i thought they were really really good and, and all the stuff they ran seemed to work or at least gave them a look that they wanted and uh i i just really felt good about that game in fact i felt i was so mad after the you know west virginia seemed like the end you know it's like uh oh this is the loss they couldn't afford and then you get thinking as Texas Tech draws closer, it's like, well, now if they beat Texas Tech on the road, you know, and do you think in your mind, which I mean, I, I would take the Texas Tech win over the win at West Virginia and loss at Texas Tech because I think that win does a lot more for this team, not in just terms of metrics and you know the the rankings and the ratings and all that stuff, but also just for them to beat a team like that on the road. And I think this is really going to um, help snowball. We'll see what happens coming up because that's a, but that team's so special Houston. Um, but I, I just think this did them a lot of good in a lot of ways. And, and some of the things I talked about, like those, those uh, plays they ran down the stretch. I could not agree more with that. Actually, I think it shows so much about this team. The fact that they were resilient enough to, lose to West a team like West Virginia on the road and then bounce back immediately after that, go to Lubbock and win against a very good Texas Tech team. I know that there's talk about they were sick. I, I, 
so was Cincinnati. I mean, they, they were coming off of a team right. being sick, um, which was could have potentially been one of the reasons they lost to West Virginia. That said, yeah, I, I think that there's way more that you can build on with a win like that uh, as opposed to the loss. Clearly, they're over the loss at West Virginia as they yep. went to Texas Tech and won. Um, so I think that you're starting to see some real good things out of Jamal Reynolds. Of course, Coach touched on that today in his presser. I don't know if you had a chance to, to watch that yet or not. Um, not the thing. I did not hear the part about Jamil. Yeah, he said uh, he's been showing a lot of consistency over the, these last two games, and that's why he's starting to see a bump in minutes as he's starting to really get his feet under him. The rest of the team, of course, having the non-con to play through, and he's you know still getting acclimated with the, the rest of the team there. Um, and then you know you were talking about Vic. Vic actually won the the hustle award uh the i forget what they called it the hustle and effort award after the team watched the the playback of the the video playback um i guess they voted vic the the hustle uh and effort award winner this uh, after after the texas tech game so um he's trending in the right direction as well as he's looked off uh since being sick um but i was talking with chad on the nightcap tonight I think he looked far less emotional in this one than he generally does, even when he's playing bad. He he, he didn't didn't really seem to be. Uh, we've seen him go just very emotional, right? No, he has. He so, totally. uh, and I, I'm concerned. I I wonder how much you know, you know, him being sick certainly didn't help. Um, I don't know if there's a hangover from that or whatever, but I am a little worried about him offensively here, and, and what's gone on and. And I mean, I got him like four of twenty-five for the last four games from the field, and that's not him. You know, he's still shooting over fifty percent for the season, but his per shooting percentage was way up there until this dry spell. Um, you know, they they have been. Um, I believe now I got him three and one in those games. I guess that's or no three losses, one and three. That makes sense. That concerns me a little bit because Vic's offense is something they need. Now, Jamil can keep coming on like he has come on, and I totally agree with Wes. And that's why I thought the game before, I don't know if he was mad about the technical at West Virginia. Well, I thought down the stretch Reynolds should have been playing in that game because he showed up much better than the other bigs in that game, and I thought that's who should have been in there uh, in crunch time. And then, you know, you look at Vic's stats too. Oh, of 8 from 3 over that four-game stretch. Stop shoot. I, I know maybe he makes them in practice. I guess he's got a green light. I just I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, but you know, he's had a week to rest now and, and hopefully get everything back and get his legs back under him. And hopefully we see a different Vic offensively uh in this game coming up Saturday. But I'm glad to hear that they felt like the effort was there and you know, uh hustled back a couple times and, 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 you know, getting on the floor and things like that. I, I like that out of him. And that's how that's, that's when he's playing at his best, but it just hasn't been working for him offensively. And hopefully he finds it. And I'm sure Wes is, you know, exploring every Avenue to get Vic back on track uh, with his offensive game. I'd agree. Uh, as we're mentioning all the other bigs, I think we'd be remiss if we did not mention the double-double by Aziz as he has 10 and 10. And uh, he's only credited with, with two blocks. Uh, we've all been talking about it on this channel here, uh, this whatever show since the game. Uh, we all think that he probably had closer to four to six blocks 
in that one. Um, Wes even mentioned it in the after game presser that he doesn't think that he, he got the right stats there. Uh, but they should I don't know, he, when he blocked himself when he shot that ball at the bottom of the back. No, <laughs> 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 so I should, but uh, but yes, no, he played, he he actually gave them very good minutes and and something he does that I have not probably given him enough credit for in my mind is just he's constantly he's not always in position to rebound like you'd think maybe he should but he's always making a difference around rebounds and he had a great game rebounding the ball against Texas against Texas Tech I mean he he had a tremendous game 10 rebounds and and he had a lot of big ones in that game um and they were all big when you're in a game that close you know the one grab in the first minute is as big as the one you grab in the last so uh, kudos to him. He's he's made a difference underneath there, and sometimes it doesn't look pretty. But and he alters a lot of shots too. Just just people knowing he can do what he does, um, and so hopefully Wes finds a nice mix with him and Jamil and and Victor, and 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 they get better and continue to get better uh, as they progress down this stretch of the season. Houston, the number five team in the country. Will be here. I, I don't. I don't know that. I don't think they're going to lose to Oklahoma State if that game's not already over yet. Um, sure. They were, and I meant to keep an eye on that, but they were. They were up twenty. Um, I know Chad was keeping an eye on it. I believe it's over. Uh, Seventy nine sixty three was your final there, uh, in Houston. Uh, but Houston will be here in Cincinnati at Fifth Third Arena on Saturday, four p.m. Tip. Neon night. Wear black. This is the beginning of the second half of conference play. And after Houston, as things currently stand, there is not, as of right now, there is not another ranked team on the schedule after Houston. But how important is this Houston game? Oh, it's very important. And and Wes has not beaten Houston since he got to UC. Um, bit of a rivalry, I guess. Maybe it might be a little one-sided now, but you know, there's been some nasty clashes over the years on the basketball court. You know, we've seen players get bit in the leg. <laughs> we've seen all kinds of stuff happen <laughs> in these Houston games. And uh, Houston plays hard. I mean, they, they they are like a throwback Bearcat team in a way where they try to lock you down with defense and they'll scratch your eyes out to get a win if they have to. And, and you know, you give Kelvin Sampson some credit for what he's built down there because – you know, it's not just this year's team. He's been doing this for a while down there at Houston, and they are a problem anytime you play them, and they're going to be a problem on Saturday. They've been a little more vulnerable on the road, and, and maybe the Bearcats get them, and that would be a humongous win if they could pull that off because, you know, you look for UC to at least go five and four in these last nine because they were four and five, I, you know, nine and nine. You, you look at all the tournament stuff. And it looks like that would get them in, and they've got some big wins there. But, um, boy, if they got that one, then then you're starting to think, well, maybe 10 and 8, maybe 11 and 7. You don't know what can happen, you know, if, 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 first of all, if you get Texas Tech on the road and then you can get Houston at home and have two W's out of that, you deserve to go to the tournament. Um, and, and I would think that the Bearcats would be able to, uh, carry that momentum on into some March Madness here. And I do stand corrected. Iowa State is ranked. I, would, I do apologize. I'm yeah, totally what is, blaming. What is their ranking? Do you have that uh, up? They're, yeah, they're currently uh, 
14. Okay. Um, but I was going I was going off of Bearcats, gobearcats.com, and, and they didn't show the ranking there. Um, and then of course you do have Houston again in uh, February 27th as well. Um, so I guess three ranked games left on the schedule. Um, but we'll see. Which, which that, that that sounds manageable compared to what they've been through. Compared to the gauntlet that has been yeah. thus far. Yeah. Exactly. But but we'll see. They have to play well. I mean, there are no layups, there are no tap-ins in this conference as we've seen and as we saw last week in West Virginia. And West Virginia got that big man back. And my God, he made a huge difference in that game. And UC could not deal with him. And that that's, well, that's another reason I thought Reynolds did the best job. And I thought he should have been in there down the stretch. But it, it sounds like uh, Jamil may see some more time. And again, you get those guys in the game and you see how they react and who's playing well. He's got some flexibility there. I just uh, and I think he's smart enough to use it. Speaks to the depth on this roster, and and they've shown uh, that anybody can really go off at this point, any given night, and uh, especially when you have, I think there were what four, four or five guys that that hit double digits. Uh, one, two, three, four guys with double digits, and then day day at nine. Um, that's a great team effort. And something that I, I don't know that even some of the top teams in this league, as far as depth go, um, I, I don't know that all the top teams have the the bench that Cincinnati has. No, they they and you know it 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 runs you know the bigs, the wings, the guards. Um, they've mm-hmm. got it, and uh, hopefully they put it to good use down the stretch. It's very exciting though that we're even talking about it this way and, and seeing a team that. Yeah, you had some high hopes for, but they can get really, really good uh, the rest of this season. They've been showing improvement. Um, that's what you want to see, and you want to be playing your best ball in March, and there's no reason they can't do that. Um, other than that, I don't know that I have anything Bearcats football or Bengals related. Uh, we didn't have much time for a pre-game sh- uh, set up you and I as you are in Florida, and then we had coach. But uh, do you have anything else in regards to either of those two things? No, um, looking forward to the Super Bowl on Sunday, and I don't know who you like in that one, but I, I will, I will say this: um, I can't bet against Kansas City. I can't because you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes and what he does, and 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 he's not the only thing they have. In fact, their defense is pretty darn good. Um, but, but I, I'm telling you what, I, I said it last week and that kid is always out there, no matter what, you know, he was hurt at the end of last year and they end up winning the Super Bowl because somehow he finds a way he must just be, uh, he must just be made of rubber. I don't know because he always, always answers the bell and turns in a performance and, you know, he made a difference against Baltimore and. And, you know, the Chiefs are getting two and a half. I don't know that I'll touch it either way, but I know I'm not betting against Mahomes. There's two billion Swifties that are going to buy merchandise the second the Chiefs win and the clock hits zeros. So, yeah, the NFL is going to do everything. They, All that, but, yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? They're, they're going to do everything they, they can to make sure that the Chiefs win. I'm, I'm And I, you know. I don't believe the conspiracy theories, but I understand where they come from because of that reason. When that kind of, mo- you know, you're talking about those kind of bucks, um, you know, look, it, it, it can happen. One last thing I wanted to touch on uh, that's not normally a, a topic that we would broach here. 
uh, but it makes sense to do so. There were some <laughs> there were some weird comments made about Cincinnati being a hockey town and potentially moving an NHL team to Cincinnati. Did you catch any of this as you've been on vacation? Oh, I did not. Um, so the the commissioner uh, of the NHL was was apparently asked about Cincinnati as a, an expansion city, and they I guess we're talking about how they've had discussions in regards to this. The only place that that makes sense would be the former Coliseum, U.S. Bank Arena, Heritage Bank Arena, whatever it's called these days. I'm not even certain. Uh, I feel like it changes names Thanks, every other year. Uh, but that would be the only place it would make sense downtown, and that would have to be fully gutted to do anything like this. Of course, it would bring in plenty of revenue, as NHL teams do, but there's also a finite amount of entertainment dollars to be spent right. in this region. And that would take away from some of the other places. I'm not sure that that would necessarily be a good thing here, but I was curious to get your thoughts on the matter. Yeah. I, honest to God, I just don't see it happening. I just don't, because as you said, um, there is a finite amount of entertainment dollars and also advertising dollars, sponsorship dollars. You know, you got the Reds, you got the Bengals, you've got uh, MLS in town with FC Cincinnati. So that's, three major league franchises for an area this size. And then, you know, you've got division one football, you've got three division one basketball programs in the area. I, I just don't see it happening. I really don't. I know for a while there, there was a lot of talk about, you know, perhaps the NBA coming back because, you know, they haven't been around since the Royals left in the early seventies and that never materialized. And that's a big reason why. I mean, I just don't see, the, the suite selling out and the and the tickets selling out because if you've been to an NHL game, that's a pretty expensive ticket. If you're sitting down low, you know, along the side, you're 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 looking at a hundred bucks a pop. I I just don't see it happening. The very last thing that you would want to see is the city bring in a franchise such as an NHL franchise and it fail. Like right. a lot a lot like the Tampa Bay Rays where they're considering moving out of Tampa because the dollars aren't there. They're not selling out the stadium, even on playoff runs. They're not selling out playoff games. Well, that team's done and they struggle like that down there. And, you know, part of it was that, uh, that stadium was just awful for people to go to. And, right. you know, I remember when they built that thing and I went down there for a, and it sat empty for a while. And I was down there for a, an NCAA, uh, regional one time. And I mean, it rained and the press area flooded and they kept <laughs> trouble with the shot clock and everything. It was just abysmal. And, uh, I, I don't know why they've never been able to get that right down there in Tampa because, you know, Tampa has a lot going on for it, but, um, I, I just, to see another pro, uh, major league, franchise because we do have the cyclones and right. they're into hockey is is you know it's a it's a value to go down there you can take your family down to a cyclones game and you know they've got their niche and it's a good one in this and they serve a hell of a purpose and they do a great job and it's entertaining and you can take your kids there and have all the cheap beer nights and everything else um i, I just don't see the nhl working here I was just curious to get your thoughts before we got out of here as it's been a, a topic of conversation around the uh, 
the social media here in the city. So, yeah, I just don't. Um, I like the more the merrier, but I just, you know, I'd like to say it could happen, but I just don't see it. And, you know, you got the blue jackets right up the road. I agree. Well, that's going to wrap it up for another week here on George in the Jungle. Again, uh, be sure to check out Remington Tavern, 8892 Glendale Milford Road, 45140, where they have your daily happy hours from 3 to 7 p.m., $5 Woodford Wednesdays. You can follow them on Instagram at RemyTavCincy or follow them on Facebook. But another show, George, enjoy your time in Florida. Again, thank you to Coach Bischel. And uh, we, we hope that the Bearcats baseball team starts off starts off hot. Coaches but and pro. We will see you next week, 9 o'clock p.m. here on the Bearcat Journal Twitch and YouTube channels. But until then. Wish me luck on the golf course tomorrow. I need it. Good luck, George. Thank you. <laughs>